Amen. Can we put our hands together and give God a cheer this morning? Come on, how many believe He's too good not to believe? Amen. Amen. How many believe God's so good? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated. Amen. How many just love the miracles of Jesus? Right? Amen. How many just believe in the miracles of Jesus? Amen. Yeah, amen. How many have ever read the scriptures and you read the stories about the miracles of Jesus and you saw yourself there? I don't know about you, but I saw, kind of saw myself when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I kind of saw myself when Jesus took that casket. Come on, somebody. Amen. How many have saw themselves when Jesus healed the leper? Amen. And he came back and he said, Lord, I just want to say thank you. Amen. Can we lift our hands to heaven and say, Lord, I just thank you for your miracle working power in my life today. Amen. We just give you praise and glory because you are a way maker. You are the miracle worker, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, today that you are working right now. Hallelujah, Lord. And we just pray for every situation today, Lord, of sickness and disease. I pray for your healing power, Lord. We thank you that you are the great physician, Lord. You came to give us healing and deliverance, Lord. Anybody that's struggling, amen, that cannot overcome something today, I thank you that you are all we need to meet our need. We thank you for that today. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said... Amen and amen. Good to see everybody here today and those of you joining us online. I know some of you can't see this today uh, if you're uh, joining us online, but we're just believing a miracle because all these seats are completely empty over here on this side. So um, I don't mean to be ignorant, but my attention is going to be diverted over here because this is where people are or whatever today. But uh, it's good to see everybody here today. But thanks for joining us, especially online. And I know some people, uh, what they do is they kind of watch, you know, Sunday nights or Monday or Tuesday, and so I just want to thank the Lord for everyone just joining us today. Uh, also, just I'm very, very thankful for our leadership team here, our elders and our leadership. Can we put our hands together and just say, God, thank you for so much for, amen, great leaders and elders and directors. You know, two months ago, it was four years that my wife and I became lead pastors, and four years ago, we kind of just said in our hearts, man, we really want a healthy church. We, we don't want a celebrity church or the, the, the biggest church, the greatest show. We, we just want a healthy church. How many, how many just said, that's our heart. We just want a healthy church. We just want healthy families, healthy marriages, healthy people, uh, just healthy families in, in our church. That was our desire. And I'm so thankful for a team of people, a group of people uh, with our leaders that just really have a heart to make that happen. And really just serve and sacrifice and love. And uh, just that we can really say, Lord, we want to be who you want us to be. We want to be a healthy church. Amen. How many know a healthy church reaches out, right? A healthy church, man, they don't, they don't stay closed-minded. They are just open. And so this morning, we just thank the Lord that um, you're reaching out wherever you are in your world and in your community and, and uh, your family. That's our heart. That, man, we just will really reach out and become a healthy people. Come on, amen. How many know, amen, Jesus wants us to be healthy? right? And uh, aren't you glad that when you were in darkness, somebody came with the light? <laughs> I don't know about you, but the gospel brings light. Amen. Are thankful for that? And, and aren't you glad that when you were in darkness, somebody that said, you know, well, I just, I came and I'm in darkness and I'm going to help you get out of this thing. Man, man, the person that witnessed to me was somebody that saw the light. They knew Jesus. They knew the way out. Amen. They knew where I needed to go to be free. And so I'm so thankful for that. Amen. 
So I was so thankful for a leadership team that really, man, that's their heart, is to really uh, reach out and see everybody uh, really walking with the Lord and, and just really healthy in their lives. And so, and I'm also thankful that uh, they, they really kind of help keep uh, really the church and everyone and myself healthy financially and uh, emotionally. They keep me sane and balanced and my feet on the ground. I'm so thankful for that. Amen today. But amen. Well, uh, today, you know, as we're talking about four years ago when we transition today, one of the things we're going to be doing, something that we wanted to do for a few years, and uh, today is our first pre-marriage class. We're actually having a class, and the reason, one of the reasons we're having that is because we have six couples this year that will be getting married, or one is already married, but uh, isn't that great? Six couples just saying, you know what, and uh, <clears throat> love is blind, they say. <laughs> no. And, uh, you know, they're saying, man, we want to make that commitment to God and to, and, to, and to really live in holy matrimony. So we're excited about that. So we were like, man, let's put a class together. And so we're going to be doing it today at the OC. And so thankful for Micah and Carrie are going to be joining my wife and I. And we're just going to be teaming up and just kind of talking about what you need to know uh, before you get married. Now, we can't tell them everything because uh, we're, they're on this side of heaven. And so, uh, amen. Right? But uh, really kind of sparked something in me, and I really wanted to share something today, starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you have your Bible, your device, you can turn or click to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. This is Paul on relationships. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, just going to read the scripture. And then uh, for those of you taking notes and concerned about the PowerPoint and everything, we don't have one today, but we're going to be entitling this, Being Single, Being One. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7... In verse 7, Paul begins and he says this, I'm reading out of the NIV. He says, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that gift. In verse 8, now to the unmarried, and he addresses the unmarried, and to the widows I say this, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. In verse 32, jump all the way down to verse 32 towards the end. He says, I would like you to be free from concern. That's what I want. I want you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. That's an unmarried man or a single guy. A married uh, man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he could please his wife. And verse 34, he says, his interests are divided. In verse 35, he concludes and he says, I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. And he says in the King James, serve the Lord without distraction. Amen. How many believe that marriage is part of God's design? Uh, I believe that marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. But before you're married, you're single. And that's part of God's plan. Anybody? I don't know how many um, you know, agreements I'm going to get on this one, but I believe that we don't really talk a whole lot about this. But notice in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul was specifically dealing with immorality and evil desires. If you read that whole verse uh, or chapter, he's talking about their immorality issues and evil passions that the church was dealing with. But he reiterated a powerful principle here and that many times overlooked and it's misunderstood and that is singleness. And uh, how many believe that singleness is not loneliness? Singleness is not loneliness. And many of you are thinking of that song, One is the Lonely, right? I just said it, and you're thinking it. I know I had to say it, right? So I just blew my chances for um, the praise team right there. But 
Anyways, you think of that song, right? But singleness is not loneliness. And so as we look at this uh, particular chapter here, we have to put it in context. One of the things that made it so powerful is when Paul addressed the church here on singleness and, and being unmarried, one of the things you have to understand is the, the state of singleness back in Paul's day. For a young man, it really meant no future. Um, when you weren't getting married, you really didn't have a legacy or name. Your name wouldn't be carried on, so you really didn't have that legacy. And the work that you were doing was kind of in vain. Well, why are you building a house? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? If you're just going to be single, why are you doing that? And for a young woman back then, there was really no hope. There wasn't uh, programs to assist. There wasn't uh, a lot of family. Many people didn't have to, they had extra places to live and finances. So there was really kind of no hope. In a way, there was no way out. For, for a young woman back then, that was kind of her way out and into the future and into, um, really, there's no inheritance for her. So for a young man, there was no future. And for a young woman, there was no hope. But aren't you glad that in Jeremiah promised the people of God that God will give you a future and a hope? Amen. He's got a future and a hope for you. Amen. And so you have to look at that and put that into context. And a lot of this is misunderstood and overlooked by us as a culture, just as it was in Jesus' day and Paul's day. In fact, um, at the time of Jesus, the Pharisees had added their perspective and their interpretation of the law, specifically about marriage and relationships, so much that when Jesus came on the scene and he said, a new commandment I give you, or you heard it this way, but I tell you it's this way, it blew them away. When Jesus said that stuff, they were so moved, like, who is this guy and where is he getting this stuff? Well, guess where he was getting this stuff? From the original intent of God, right? From the Levitical law, from the, the, you know, from, from the original writings. And so he had to bring them back because they misunderstood, because they had overlooked some things, because they had this perspective. And I'm, I'm afraid to say that a lot of us, when it comes to reading the Bible, we have a really, um, we, we have a default mode. We tend to read it through culture context. We kind of read it through Western perspectives, right? Or American Christianity, if you will, if there's such a word. We, we tend to do that. And so when we look at marriage and we look at singleness and things like that, we tend to perceive it the way our culture does or the way that we passed it down through the church and the cultural context. And a lot of our perspective in our culture is that marriage is that uh, false assumption that you'll be satisfied or fulfilled. And, and we kind of bring that down and we say, well, there's this substitute for fulfillment. It's called marriage. Well, that's kind of a false concept for a lot of people. And that singleness is really just this, this license for an unrestrained, selfish, selfish living or this self-indulgence. And we tend to think of it that way. But how many know God wants us to change our way of thinking and think the way he wrote it? Amen. And think the way he meant it. And we have to look and say, okay, God, how did you mean for marriage to happen? How did you mean for singleness to come about? And so, uh, you know, it's even funny, uh, if you think about it, singleness to a lot of Christians is viewed as like eunuchs in the Old Testament. If you really study what eunuchs are, it's not even close. Okay, it's not close. It's, it's, it's different, okay? So, but we've heard that. And when I was single, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a eunuch. I'm going to be a eunuch the rest of my life. And I'm like, I read the Old Testament, I was like, no, I'm not. I guess I'm not. I guess I'm not. But what we associate singleness with a lot of times is these words like incomplete, unfortunate, selfish, uh, desperate, lonely, less than, lost. I don't know about you, but I just thought about 
um, how I felt when I was single. And we, we def, define it as missing out, never attaining God's will, never measuring up. You'll never really be uh, who God really wants you to be until you get married. And, you know, and when you're single, I feel bad for you. Or some people look at it like it's complete freedom, right? It's just this, you're unchained, you're unfettered. Uh, this, this whole liberty of self-expression type deal, right? But how many know we need to put it in context in the way the Bible looks at singleness? Amen? You ready for this? All right. So because I never really thought about it and I thought, okay, yeah, being single, we usually tell people like Paul here, you need to just simmer down and control yourself until you get married. Now, how many know that's necessary for some people, right? And Paul had to deal with that. But that's not the complete definition and principles of singleness. So let me give you four principles of singleness today. Number one, connection. This is the major principle of singleness. It's connection, specifically connection with God. And as you look at the Bible, go back to the beginning, you realize that God addressed um, people, or Adam, let's take Adam, God addressed him as an individual. When Eve came on the scene, God had to dress, and he dressed her as an individual. I mean, no, God doesn't look at you in a group of people. He looks at you as, you as an individual. He sees you single. He sees you as a person. He doesn't see you like, oh yeah, you're so-and-so spouse. Or you're, oh yeah. You know, I never forget when I was a kid and I was younger. And people would ask me, you know, what's your name? Who are you? And I would always have to give them something to help them associate me and identify. My identify. Like, I, I'm, I'm a pastor's kid, right? I'll never forget that. Well, who are you? Well, I'm a pastor's kid. Well, I'm this. And how many know there, there was so much more to my life than that? There was so much more to you. And someone says, well, you know, what do you do? Well, this is who I am. I like to, I work, you know, down at this job. How many know there's so much more? And so God sees you as so much more. He sees you as that individual, one with God. In fact, singleness was created before marriage to show us that God's intention was a single person satisfied with God. Hello. A single person satisfied with God. That's God's intention. Singleness is oneness. You said, well, marriage is oneness. Yeah, well, guess where it starts? Singleness. Singleness is oneness. That's what it is. Single-minded, single heart. You have that single focus. That's what it's about. And this is where it starts. And the Bible teaches us and shows us all through Scripture is this is where it starts. There are Scriptures that talk about that we are complete in Him, complete in the Lord. Uh, remember that one Scripture that Paul was writing in to Thessalonians, and he said that God wants you to be whole, body, soul, and spirit. This is God's will for your life. Amen. Some of you feel, you know, like, well, I, I got to be holy. But, you know, sometimes we don't realize in order to be holy, you got to be whole. <laughs> Amen. How I many you know that starts the definition of holiness? Amen. You know, and it was God that said it's not good that man be alone. God said that. But many of us interpret it to say this. It's not right for man to be alone. But that's not what God said. God said it's not good for man to be alone. He's the one that saw the need. And how many know when God sees a need, He meets the need? And aren't you glad that when God saw a need, He didn't say, good luck, Adam. You're on your own. And He's like, well, you know, giraffes look kind of cool. You know, so, I mean, God met His need, right? God met His need. And so I, I feel that a lot of times we misinterpret that to say, well, it's not right that you're alone. That's not, that, that's not correct. That's not what the Bible teaches. And so as we talk about this, and God said it's not good that man be alone, he kind of introduced something to us, and that was loneliness. <laughs> and that is the feeling that a loneliness brings. It really comes from disconnection. And there's a natural need in all of us to connect. 
just that natural need. I don't care if you, you hate people and you want to live in the mountains and live with the goats and stuff. There's still that natural need of connection one way or another. And so a lot of times loneliness comes in the form of isolation, abandonment, or separation. just comes in many different forms. But the feeling of loneliness is not always from isolation. Did you know that? Not always. So how many know and have ever heard celebrities talk about and movie stars, wherever and they talk about that they're always around people, but they feel so lonely? Unfortunately, some people go to great lengths, even the length of committing suicide because they feel they don't have anybody in their life. Even though they're world famous and they're surrounded by people all the time. How many have ever felt that? You've been in a room full of people and you felt lonely. You can be honest. This is church, right? And why? We, we just, it just comes from, it's not just isolation. It's not just being, you know, on a desert island by yourself. It, it's from a few other things. It really comes from a lack of security. It comes from a lack of acceptance or interaction a lot of times. And, and uh, somebody that I can trust, somebody that I feel that I can really open up to, somebody that really knows me. How many know that's that need of connection? Amen. And, so, and we know also that one of the, the strongest and deepest feelings of loneliness is depression. You just get depressed about it. And you, you, you know, it can be in a room full of people again, and yet you're struggling with this depression of loneliness. Where you, How many know you can be in a marriage and be lonely? You can have somebody, you know, every night you say goodnight to, but you can still feel lonely. Anybody? Come on, that's true, isn't it? But you know, this is what I love about the Lord. Here's what God's intention was. Is that God offers something that cures and heals loneliness, and that is intimate relationships. That's why it's important as the church and as Christians, we, we're not surface people. Oh, uh, yeah, I love you. Oh, yeah, you're cool. No, there is intimate relationship. There is strong fellowship. When you go to encourage somebody, it's not flattery. You really mean it. Come on, somebody, why? Because that's what the Bible teaches, because God offers this as a way of being whole and healed on the inside. That's what God offers as intimate relationship. Many people who are broken and they're Christians, they go to church, they're surrounded by people, they've seemingly got a good job and good family and everything. But how many know they can be broken inside because they're not walking in intimate relationship with God? Hello. Amen. So it is about that. So. And that is that connection. The second thing I see, is that especially that Paul teaches here, is wholeness. Wholeness is that second thing, that second principle about singleness that we see. In fact, if you read this really closely and just kind of read over it a couple times, you'll see that Paul goes into this many other times, specifically here. His point was this. His point was to thrive in your gift or your role in life. In other words, where you are right now, what you have right now, and what God has called you to. That's where you need to thrive. In fact, he says, if you're, if you're married, don't seek to be free. If you're single, don't seek to be married. Wherever you are right now, in this time, he even talks about the, the, the temperature of the, the culture at that time. He said we live in desperate times. And he also said that our time is short in the, in the chapter. He said that we don't live, we don't have a lot of time. Come on, how many know we don't have time to be messing around, right? And this is what he's talking about. But he says that our point, the point here is that you've got to thrive in your gift. Whether God's called you to be single, God's put you in a marriage relationship, that you've got to thrive in that role. And this is what his point was. Why? Because it teaches you or it creates in your heart to be whole. You need to be a whole person, right? Amen? Wholeness. This is what it brings. This is a principle of singleness. Many people think, no, when I get married, then I'll be fulfilled, then I'll become a whole person. We always like to tell couples way back in the day, we always say, you're not a half a cookie looking for the other half. 
Amen? You're a whole person in the Lord, and wholeness is important, isn't it? Because before, listen, before there's oneness with somebody else, there needs to be completeness in your life. And I'm not talking Hinduism, I'm talking about Christianity. <laughs> People are like, oh, we're going to be one, okay? And, and they go into this, whatever it is, okay. We're not talking about that. But it has to be completeness in your life. That's what the Bible teaches. And so that doesn't mean that you're perfect before you get married. That doesn't mean you go into a marriage perfect. If you feel that you're perfect before you get married, don't get married because you'll wreck it. You're just going to be an imperfect. You're going you're to mess somebody else's life up, right? Right? So it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means that you come to a place where you're learning to be whole. You've, you've got some, a hold of some principles in your life. How do I become a whole person? That I don't overreact or I don't take it out on somebody else and I don't blame, that I take full responsibility for my actions, that I learn to serve others before me, that I love other people, keep their interests in mind. I yield to their strengths. I honor them. I respect them. Come on, somebody. I mean, no, this is part of being whole, right? And so I think that a lot of married couples don't realize that what they bring that into a marriage. In fact, you bring everything into a marriage. You bring everything into a marriage. Well, I'm going to just bring my best. Good luck. Because after the frosting's gone, let's, let's see what you bring in, right? You're going to bring in. So someone said this, marriage doesn't create problems, it reveals them. <laughs> but also, marriage doesn't make you loving, you learn it. So you never, you always just come in with what you have and, and, and you are the sum total of your past, whether you like it or not. You are the sum total of your experiences. And, and whether you've dealt with your past in a healthy way or not, or whether you learn from your experience, whether you learn from others, it doesn't matter. You are the sum total of, of where you've come from for this point, right? Into the past. And so you bring that in to a marriage. And so many people are bringing brokenness into a marriage that they don't have to. Because they're not learning to be whole people. They haven't learned to be whole people. They haven't learned to connect with the Lord and be that whole person with the Lord and, and how the, what the Lord says about them. Come on, somebody. Amen. I just said, come on, somebody. Then I said, amen. So I'm just looking for my own amens. Okay, whatever. Doesn't even make sense. All right. Amen. I just said amen again. Got to stop that. I used to practice preaching in the mirror. That didn't work. Because I'd say amen twice. And so, <clears throat> anyways, but, but listen, you know this, and, and as well as I do, some people don't need to be married. Some people don't need to get married, all right, especially at that time, right? But how many know we, there's some people that need to get married, like you need to get married. And Paul was addressing this, he was almost like, okay, you're making out in the parking lot, it's time to get married, Right? Come on, this is what he's addressing. He's addressing these things. But how many know there's some people we understand they just don't need to get married at that point. And how many times if, if, if we think about that, well, I've already, you know, I need to get married. And you just, some people just don't need to or some people need to. And there's different things. But the important thing is, is that I'm coming into this relationship. I want to learn how to be a whole person. And there's some issues I'm bringing in that I really need to fix before I get there. How many know you need to be a whole person? And so there's, there's times where people, you bring these, these thoughts, these fantasy thoughts and what you think it's supposed to be and who you want somebody else to be the rest of the life. I'm going to know that doesn't work all the time, right? None of the time. Let me just say that. And some of people are just afraid. They're afraid to be married. They don't want to be married because they're afraid of abandonment. They're afraid of brokenness. They're afraid of failure. There's just a fear there. 
There's a fear when you're married. There's people that are afraid that, I wonder if she's just going to leave today. I wonder who she's looking at. I wonder if today will, you know, I wonder if this is going to cause us to, to, to get a divorce. Come on. There's that unhealthy fear and there's so many things. But, you know, God teaches us to, to deal with these things before we ever come into matrimony, and that is singleness. That's what singleness is really all about. And so the point is to really work at becoming a whole person in the Lord so that whether you get married or whether you don't get married or whether you minister or don't minister or whatever it is, you are coming from a healthy place. That's the point. The point is that you're coming from a healthy place. An old saying we used to say is instead of trying to marry the right person, you need to be the right person. Amen. Work on being the right person. Amen. And we know that marriage is not that cure-all. It's, it's not a fling, but it is a gift from the Lord. It is a gift. It is a calling. There's something there. I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but it's a gift. And uh, I, I love when, when couples look at each other and at the altar and they, they really have this attitude that this is a, you're my gift. And I really appreciate that and I honor you as a gift from the Lord. I really love that when couples do that. But in society, as we look at this, this brokenness is in society. And especially today, uh, they, the statistics tell us that cohabitation, living with other, with other people, that not being in a marriage relationship is on the rise and it's really skyrocketing like never before. But you know, cohabitation kind of serves as avoiding your responsibility in marriage. And it also serves as a reckless approach to relationships. Did you know that? In fact, they say that people that live together, you know, actually have a harder time, the longer they live together, have a harder time after they get married. It always makes me wonder why people have said, we lived together for seven years, and then three months later, they get a divorce. I don't, I don't get that. I, I just don't understand that. And I think a lot of it has to do, there's a spiritual principle there. Come on. There's a spiritual principle there. But how many know, if you're broken before you get married, more in chance of like, you're going to bring that brokenness into a marriage. If you're struggling with all this baggage, you're going to bring that right into a marriage, right? Come on, if you're an abuser before you get married, uh, it, it, you're not going to be like this really cool. You're going to be an abuser more likely after you get married. If you have an anger problem before you get married, well, you know, you're not going to just be this most peaceful, loving guy. You're probably still going to struggle with anger. Amen? How many know? So what God wants you to do is become a whole person. Get to the place where, as Paul's with teaching here, take the time, take the opportunity, get in this relationship, let the word of the Lord work in your life so you're a whole person. So you can come and approach things from a place of health. Come on, somebody. Amen? That's what he's saying. Amen. And so a lot of people date because they're available and somebody else is available. That's weird. It's like, you know, just going to, a, you know, these, some of these restaurants, they have these lost and found places. It's like, ah. Uh, it's available. I'll take it. Right? And so so many people date for that reason. They're desperate. They're lonely. Um, there's so many things. And I feel like we just got to realize we need to be whole. Amen? Is that right? And in and, and closing on this point, um, just at this point, we could talk a little bit longer, but I won't. Paul teaches us this. Being single-minded, he teaches us cultivate spiritual desires. Control your natural desires. Grasp a life perspective. Practice real love for other people. This is becoming a whole person. Come on, somebody. Amen. So wholeness. The third um, principle we see about singleness, and Paul teaches it very directly here. I, I couldn't, I'm going to bring this out. There's just no better place that he brings this out, and that is, thirdly, opportunity. He says that singleness is an opportunity for ministry. Many people are so excited about going into the ministry for themselves or whatever, creating a ministry, and he says this. He says, look, your singleness is an opportunity for ministry. 
Think about it. Paul speaks of singleness as an opportunity for wide open ministry. Like, like just you can minister all you want. This is amazing. Like he said, be as I am. Like I'm just, I don't have the responsibilities. In fact, in verse 27, he says that you, he uses the word in the King James, you're bound. That's what he says when he uses the word, when he talks about marriage, he said, you're, you're, you're committed. Meaning that doesn't mean ball and chain. That means you're committed. You're bound to that person. Many people are like, oh. Uh, verse 27, he says, when you're single, you're free from commitment. In verse 28, but those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you of this. In verse 32 and verse 35, he says that there is a concern there when you're married. There's a weight, there's a responsibility, there's a burden there you have to carry. There's a divided interest, and he said there's a distraction, that's what he said. And so singleness is absolutely a, a, a wonderful opportunity, is what Paul's saying, to minister. You should be completely involved in ministry if you're single. If you're not married and, and, and you have like time on your hands or whatever, and many people don't, but you should be completely engulfed in ministry. And that doesn't mean that you're going to stand behind a pulpit. That doesn't mean you're going to be called prophet, bishop, preacher, whatever. You know, it doesn't mean all that. It means that you're fully engaged in what God has for your life. Instead of sitting around and, and twiddling your thumbs, I'm so lonely, I wish I had somebody, I would, oh, I don't. Listen, you're fully engaged in the ministry to the place there Adam was. That if God called you to be married, if God put you with somebody, if that's, if that's right, I don't want to make that mysterious, but you know what I mean. If it's right for you, then guess what? It'll happen. God will allow those things out. But you're so busy with the ministry. Like Adam, he was so busy with what God had told him to do that God had to put him to sleep. You know, he was just, and I'm so engaged in this. I'm, I'm all about the ministry and naming animals and taking care of the garden. And like, this is so great. I'm so glad he didn't have input on that, right? All right well, anyways, anyways, but he just was so caught up. And so Paul says, this is a wonderful opportunity. This is what you need to look at your singleness as. I don't care if you're 14 years old and you're not married and a lot of people, or whatever, however old you are in your 20s, in your 30s, 40s, 50s, it doesn't matter. That this needs to be an opportunity for you to minister. Move into the ministry. In other words, you won't have this, un, this, this divided attention. You're not going to have to, well, I've got to work a job and then I've got to and pay the bills and take care of the kids. and we go, We're doing this, we're doing that, and then I want to fulfill what God has for me. How many know that's a lot of responsibility? Paul is saying, look, you won't have that added responsibility. You have this freedom now. You have this wonderful opportunity to get, do what God wants you to do. You need to be completely caught up with what God wants you to do. Your, your day doesn't need to be about listening to songs about depression. They need to be about worship songs and getting fueled up and, and what God wants you to do. Anybody? Right? This is a wonderful opportunity. And the last point about the principle that we see here about singleness is it's a gift. It's a calling. It's a gift. It's wonderful. He's saying it's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's, and, and we just have this pressure in the, in the church world, Christian world especially, that, man, you get closer to God, get married. I mean, you got to get married. And I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I remember when, when you're single, people nag you to get married. Right? Okay, so you start dating and everything, and then people are nagging you to get engaged. When are you get engaged? When are you get engaged? You're going to get engaged? You got engaged last night? What happened? Come on, tell me about it. Calm down. We just started seeing each other. Right? Then you get married. When are you having kids? You going to have kids? When are you have kids? You going to have kids? Dude. We just got married. You want me to be the Partridge family? Like, calm down. Right? 
How many of you ever remember that, right, those days? You kids? When are you having grandkids? I'm 30. Okay? You're going to have to wait. Yeah. But singleness has a calling. It really does. And, and it also has a season. It also has a season. And so whether, this is one of the things I just want to leave with you today, that whether you're in a calling of singleness or whether a season of singleness, whether, whether you're in that calling or that season, there's something amazing about it. It comes with God's grace. It comes with God's strength and God's empowerment. Even if you're young and, and someday you're going to get married, you still have this time, amen, an opportunity, and you have this gift right now to be single and do what God wants you to do. And, and, and there's a grace there. There's a, there's a strength there. There's an empowerment there, amen, to, to do what God wants you to do. Amen? Come on. And what Paul really associated singleness with is closeness to God, availability to God, a focused life. Joy and relationships and ministry. He didn't say that you're some lonely guy that when you show up to a party, here's single Joe. Okay? Here, he's got the chair on the end of the table. You know, that's how we look at it. But God said, there's this availability. There's this focused life. There's this joy that you can come into because there's this oneness that you have. And marriage is a part of God's design. Uh, marriage is a picture of Christ and the church, but before marriage, there's singleness, and that's part of God's design. How many believe that with all your heart today? Can we stand on our feet? Amen. Amen. I just want to share something before we pray today. We're really excited about being able to teach a, a pre-marriage class and, and uh, being able to spend time with the couples. We're excited about that. I'm glad that this church is growing through marriages and kids and family, but I'm also glad that this, this church is growing through people that have a heart after God. And whether they're single or married, man, I'm going to be busy about what God wants me to do. I'm going to be a whole person. That's what I want to be. I want to be one that really reaches out and grabs a hold of what God has for me. Amen. But notice the last thing. I just want to point this out. What Paul does here, the very first verse we read, Paul points back to himself as an example. And at one other point, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Verse 7 and verse 8, he says, be single like me. I mean, think about that. And as a person that is single and you're not married, you, should, you are an example to the body of Christ. You're an example to the body of Christ. Think about it. You can be an example to teenagers. You can be an example to older people. You can be an example to new Christians. You can be an example to seasoned Christians, people that have been around for a while. You can be a tremendous strength and example to people. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul wasn't ashamed and said, I guess if you want to be like me, come live on the street. You know, that type deal. No. He's like proudly said this, confidently said this, with strength and grace. He said... Be like me. Nothing wrong with it. Be like me. You want to get married? That's fine. You haven't sinned. But if you don't want to get married, that's fine too. You haven't sinned either. He said, I'd rather you use your singleness to serve God. Use where you're at right now to, to grow in the Lord. And so to singles today, we want you to really grow in your intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. We want you to walk in every opportunity God has for you to do His will. And we want you to really come to a place where you're not measuring yourself by society or by other people, amen, but you're whole in the Lord, and you say, Lord, I'm complete in you, and Lord, you, my life and my times are in your hands. I had an aunt that was married at the age of 52. She was a school teacher all her life, took care of her mother, and 
Man, I'll tell you, when she got married, it was one of the greatest things. I mean, they were only married a short time before she passed, but it was one of the greatest things in her life. But you know, when she was single all those years, she was the most pleasant person, the most blessed person to be around. And she didn't just mope and, oh, I'm so lonely. Man, she was, she was just absolutely walking with the Lord in joy and strength. Amen? And that's the example I've seen in my life. But to other people today, I just want to encourage you that, and, and ask you these questions and, and ask and make sure that you're following Jesus Christ. Are you following the Lord? Are you trying to get fulfillment in other places? Where do you get your fulfillment from? Where does your satisfaction come from? Does it come from, you know, well, I, I, I'm never satisfied. I'm always here and I'm jumping from this relationship to that relationship. And I just think that this person will fulfill me and, then, and, I, and I can just be this. No, how many know it's in Jesus Christ? Today your fulfillment is Jesus Christ. I just pray that all your questions and all your, and even, let me just go here. All your depression about loneliness dissolves in Jesus today. Just bring it to the cross. Lay it down. Just say, Lord, Lord, I thank you that you are with me no matter what. And you're going to help me move into this intimate relationship with you. And maybe if I'm feeling these things, maybe it's because I'm not really walking in this intimate relationship with you. Maybe I'm not enjoying this relationship with you as much as I should, right? Come on, maybe I'm just going to church and I'm doing all the right things and I'm still looking outside of you for fulfillment. I want you to know today that you can have fulfillment in Jesus Christ, amen? That you can be a whole person in the Lord today, amen? How many believe that? Amen. Let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you today for your word. Because your word brings life. Your, it has a way of turning the light on. It has a way of bringing uh, light to our, our path, Lord, as the Bible says. And Lord, there's a way that, that we want to walk that you have for us that is in fulfillment and satisfaction. And Lord, whether we're married today or single, it really doesn't matter. We're going to do what we are called to do to the best that we can do right now with what we have. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to use those that are unmarried uh, in such an awesome way. And Lord, I pray that we would change our perspective and our interpretation of the way singleness should be today. Because we thank you, Lord, that your word teaches us that being single is being one. And we thank you so much for that today. And I praise you and I give you the honor and glory today. And everybody said amen, amen and amen. Today, if you need prayer, we have prayer workers that will come around the front. and We just love to pray with you.